twenty flight controllers, I need a go, no go for launch. DRO. We're a go. Grinder. That's a go. Shell. Go flat. Filter. Go. BIC. Go flat. Revive. We are go. FHE. FHE go. CG. I'm going. Launch control, this is OH10. We are go for launch. And that's how it happens. More on that later, though. Thank you very much for Countdown from Cameron Gray. And welcome back to Range Anxiety for our midweek episode, which I may or may not be recording ahead of time. But it's still, you're still getting your 30 years of automotive tuning experience and general mucking around with cars on time, every time. And uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're sort of winding up the intensity a little bit for season two, which is cool. You know, we're here to have fun. And we're going to have fun today. As you may have uh, worked out, we're going to have a little bit of a talk about launch control. Because I've just been getting a little bit sick of the mainstream automotive media lately. I watch a little bit of it on YouTube. I don't buy magazines anymore. I mean, why would you? I mean, everything, you can get everything ahead of time online for free um, uh, without a print lead time. And, you know, if you've got half a brain, you can sort through what's accurate and what's not accurate. So, why would you bother buying magazines? So, yeah, I certainly don't, that's for sure, anymore. And I used to, I used to write for a lot of them, as, as you probably know. So, yeah, interesting. Anyway, so today, launch control. Let's wind back time a little bit. Let's go back to when all cars had three pedals, or most of the good ones had three pedals. And you were trying to get them off the line quickly. There's nothing against the automotive guys. This is like the motor racing um, fraternity that use manual gearboxes where they've got to change gears and go around corners. Now, what we used to do is we would actually find a spot in the car's sort of friction index for acceleration and sort of get the RPM there and feed the clutch and the throttle kind of simultaneously to... Uh, develop the takeoff with the very best traction. Now, only a few years ago, I was racing um, that Norax RDF we've talked about, and it used to be before the engine was turbocharged, it was a um, 1.8 Sportivo Lotus twin cam Toyota thing, 2ZZ FE, which is not really well known for having anything at all resembling uh, torque. So, on the slicks that I used to run, we used to try and, you know, coming around to the start line, you would spin them up out of the final corner. You'd try and get them as hot as possible. And then uh, the, the trick to launching it was uh, rev it to about five and a half thousand, hold it up at five and a half thousand RPM and basically sidestep it while keeping your foot, you know, and pinning your foot at the same time on, on the gas pedal, on the throttle. And that was, you know, it was quite a quick starter. Um, once we changed a few things around, though, and added a turbocharger to it, so it did make torque down low, that was just a horrible way of uh, getting off the line. In fact, you didn't go anywhere. <laughs> you just erupted into wheel spin and everyone passed you. So the next technique was instead of using, you know, five and a half, six thousand RPM, we would use 2200 RPM and feed the clutch out slowly and the, and the throttle in slowly. So the whole action became much uh, smoother and slower. But the result was that the thing, you know, went like an absolute bullet um, and was a lot faster. So do you see what I'm getting at here? This isn't about how good I am at, at, at starting races. 
what this is about is that your launch strategy needs to change with power modifications to a vehicle. And very, very, very few people understand that and very, very few engine management systems of the factory variety give you that kind of flexibility. So for example, let's take the very worst launch control uh, system that there is. And that, well, was, and that was LC1 in the 2008 model JDM Nissan GDR. It was the most poorly constructed, executed, code-written piece of software that, I, that I've ever come across. And it, it was just so mindlessly stupid that it cost Nissan probably millions in terms of um, warranty problems with broken cars and reputational damage. How did it work? Um, it just dialed up four and a half thousand. You put it in the car in launch control mode, VDC off, I believe, or yeah, VDC off and um, transmission race mode and and jumped on the brakes as hard as you could and snapped your throttle to the floor. The engine revved up to four and a half thousand RPM and as soon as you release the brake, uh, release the brake pedal, it quite literally, a sidestep, just bang, flicked and engaged the clutches in an axle tramping, wheel shuttering, um, first gear shredding, uh, diabolical, diabolical thing. And it wasn't even quick because it shocked the car and it shocked the tire and it shocked the drive line. It wasn't even a fast way to launch a car, but it was horrific. And, you know, there were some people that, that launched their car like, you know, a couple of dozen times and were up for a brand new transmission. So the very first transmission part that ever came out for the R35 GDR, I, I believe the very first serious internal upgrade part was a, a first gear, which was actually a lot smaller and weaker uh, than that found in an R32 GDR, which had about half the power. So go figure. So let's get this car with a tiny little first gear suitable for a, you know, a VTEC Civic and uh, let's uh, put two ton of weight on it and drop the clutch. Yeah, no, it was a stupid thing. And Nissan subsequently put their tail firmly between their legs, like terribly so, and came out with LC2, which was uh, in the Australian 2009 onwards GDRs, which basically wasn't launch control at all. It was absolutely stupid. You were lucky to trick it to about 2200 RPM and it just bleh, took off the line. It was slow. Subsequently, uh, Nissan grew a pair again and they worked out how to write code um, for their twin clutch gearbox and kind of got it right. You know, now LC there was LC3, LC4, LC5, and I think LC6. That's how many different launch control strategies have tried over the over the, the last decade or so with these cars because they're just so hopeless at writing the code for it. And, that, you know, one of the very first things we do now when we get an old GDR in is we reflash the uh, transmission control computer with the current launch control system, or LC5, which is one of my favorites. <laughs> there are only small nuances between them in the later generations, but it actually works. Like, yes, it'll hold the car up at 4,100 RPM, but it slips the clutches out. You know, there's no more banging and crashing and axle drive shafts snapping and throwing out the road, gearboxes breaking in half. That's right. The actual uh, wheel tramp, I forgot about that. The wheel tramp was that bad that LC1 caused 
that um, it would actually snap <laughs> the diff off the back of the uh, GR6 transmission. It would actually break the spine of the transmission, at which point you basically scrape the whole lot up in most cases and threw it clean into the bin. And if you were lucky, just got away with finding a second-hand diff housing and putting it on. It really, really was that poorly executed. And um, it made me a little bit gun-shy of all these launch, stupid launch control systems on cars. Someone that got it right that was Japanese um, with Mitsubishi with the Evo 10. I mean, problem was that Getrag gearbox was so weak and, and in the clutch department and prone with electronic problems just with stuffed mechatronics and uh, they were just uh, when you get a good one they're good but you know now these cars are getting old they're all just rubbish those sst transmissions i, I just they were so disappointing because they could have been so good if they just like you know just just done it a little bit better and and not you know I mean, you can't even blame Mitsubishi for it but their launch control was pretty good you know, I think it was something like 5,000, 5,500-ish, and, you know, it would just take off in super sport mode, and, and yeah, it was quite quick. It was a good way to launch. I mean, it wasn't earth-shattering, but it was it was good. But, you know, once you started adding power to the car, just like the GDRs, none of it worked properly anymore, and there was no way of rewriting it. So, yeah, it's, you're better off just buying a manual. Um, so how are, the, how are the, the big boys controlling... Um, Launch control in the in the GDRs with uh, the R35s, well, with aftermarket engine management systems. That's how they're doing it. So, the launch strategy is fully taken over um, by the by the new engine control system, like your Cyvex or your Motec, and you know you can set boost off the line. You can do all sorts. It's got all sorts of closed loop throttle control strategies for best traction and launch and everything else. And that's that's really cool. And that works really well. And that's why some of these cars are so so fast at the track but it's not something that's really readily available to every tom dick harry and jane that buys one of these cars for normal street use and wants to modify it so yeah twin clutch transmissions as a rule are an absolute um pain in that regard uh, there are a lot of manufacturers that have a right though and they're mainly the europeans um Sure, there were all sorts of problems with early DSGs and, you know, mechatronics and, you know, DSG and the term dog shit gearbox because, you know, they were about as useful. But the DSG setups are actually pretty darn cool now um, and, you know, seem to work like the one we've got now, Audi R8's brilliant and their launch control systems, more to the point, are really, really good. And, you know, you've got companies like McLaren that are, that are able to get rear-wheel drive cars launching at the drag strip using rollout on cheetah tires launching as hard as you know as, as we would have a r35 gdr on slicks launching absolutely amazing stuff that's how like the 765 runs like a nine two quarter mile when it actually has no right to really so yeah there are there are all sorts of incredible edges to technology with launch control and it's getting better and better and better <clears throat> but because it's something that isn't used that often and manufacturers don't want you to use that often. But when you do use launch control, they want you to have this sense of high drama and theater and, you know, like, like you're a racing car driver in a racing car, not, not a road car driver in some souped up road car that they make you jump through absolute bloody hoops to access it. 
Now, the Nissan was one of the easier ones. Um, you know, it was basically be in race mode. The transmission had to be hot enough, I think. Uh, 60C or 80C or you know, 60C, I think, transmission fluid temperature. And, and the way you could go, you could go out and shred first gear and bust it in half as, uh, as, as often and as frequently as you wanted. Um, but some of the European stuff is an absolute pain in the ass. And, you know, I'm talking about my friends at, at Mercedes AMG, the original um, A45. You, you had to go through about 20 different settings. Oh, that's what it seemed like to me at the time to access the thing. So if, if you're sitting at the lights, uh, the uh, racetrack lights, and you want to get the thing into drag mode and 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 a run there's no way you're going to be going heads up at the sorry yeah there's, there's no way you're going to win a heads up race because you're sitting there fumbling around with switches and buttons and pull paddle up to confirm that you want race start and then you can't hold it in race start too long because it'll disable and race start becomes then unavailable what an absolute pain in the ass it was gimmick 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 more than it was anything else and then when you did get it into launch control the stupid thing like wouldn't pull out like all the way in its RPM band in first gear to short shift second and bog. It was the most stupid launch control system I think I have ever used. In fact, the only more stupid one, uh, well, obviously R35 JDR, that was, that was beyond stupid. That was just like uh, mind-numbingly dumb. Right. <laughs> There's no other, sorry, Nissan fans. I mean, I love my R35s. I've owned plenty of them. That was the dumbest shit I've ever seen stunt pulled by a manufacturer uh, this century. There you go. That's how bad it was. Um, not as bad as Dieselgate, but more on that later. But yeah, the whole idea of going fast and getting to 100 quickly and, you know, using your launch control subsystem to to give you that extra flog factor when you're being a gronk down at the pub talking to your mates about your naught to 100 times is to get the best naught to 100 time and let the thing give it its head in first gear let it have a bit of wheel spin pick second because that's how you get your that's how you get your good times you don't get good times in acceleration by short shifting you're better off extending your rpm and every, everyone that knows race cars will tell you that on drag cars and for a, for a road car it's probably even better to have a little bit of wheel spin you know you, you don't want the thing bogging down Absolutely stupid. But I think they must have done that because the Germans are not the stupid. So I think they probably did that to encourage um, not that much use of race start on a, on a regular basis by people in which uh, sense they will save the gearbox a short and expensive for them life. And true to form, I haven't seen too many of those transmissions. In fact, I haven't seen any of those um seven-speed things, whatever they are, the DSGs and the A40. Well, I haven't seen any of them explode. So they're obviously uh, reasonably tough mechanically. And yes, it, it wasn't a, a twigs, tape, bamboo and band-aid design job like Nissan did of the inherently flawed GR6 transmission. The Europeans have basically got it right. And I mean, even today, when you can upgrade every part in a GR6, you, you show me one fast, like seven-second or six-second R35 GDR that goes to the racetrack, particularly in the States. It doesn't have two spare transmissions in the trailer ready for a swap at the side of the track when shit turns to clay. So, yeah. So, what's... I'm not a fan of DSGs. I used to love them. I made lots of money out of them making parts for them. So, that was cool. And I don't mind 
tuning them, but twin clutch transmissions in this day and age, uh, for a piston engine, they're probably the most, uh, allegedly the most efficient way, but for me, there's still nothing beats a torque converter auto for seamless shift quality and the general overall niceness, you know, nothing, nothing beats that. And um, with uh, modern tuning techniques, you can actually make them shift every bit as fast as a twin clutch, right? Listen to that, that was a BMW, that's nasty. That gives you a hint of when I'm actually recording this. BMW motorcycle, guys, the cars, oh, I don't mind, apart from looking at the front of them. Horrible things. Um, yeah, so where were we before that BMW rudely interrupted? Uh, twin clutch transmissions, mm, out. Yep. Uh, torque converter auto transmissions with paddles in. And Mercedes did have that right with their MCT sort of thing, which was a, 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 a twin clutch gearbox, a mechanical manual that's robotically operated with a torque converter on front of it, which is a pretty cool thing. I think, I think my edition 507. AMG as a as a MCT transmission in I'm not I'm not even sure what's in the bloody thing. All I know is that I put it into D for drag and just drive it, right? And if you feel like being uh, naff, you uh, can play with the pedals, uh, paddles, or you can put it into Sport Plus mode. Either way, if it, you're interested in going fast, don't drive a car like that. Just just enjoy it for being a big loud, obnoxious V8 and not trying to play Rysatron uh, with paddles because that is a waste of time. So what is the best transmission of all? The best transmission of all, and you all know where this is heading, you know I'm a fanboy and a nerd. The best transmission of all is the single speed one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting here today in my Model 3 Performance. I, I got rid of the SR Plus, my beautiful blue baby. Sick blue brows, no, and that's gone. But it does complete uh, our sort of family extension where there's three boys in my, my family. I was myself and two brothers, and now we all have Model 3s. I've got the best one, obviously, because it's a Model 3 performance, but I'm the only one that works around cars for a living. But there's two SRs in the family as well, so we're all like um, part of the cult now. So watch out when you see us coming. <laughs> but yeah, um, the, best, the best transmission of all is one with no gears or one gear, and the best launch control system of all, their very, very best launch control system, is none at all, right? I can, people tend, when they see you driving something like the Model 3 Performance, they want to go you. They want to race you at any drop of a hat. And of course, if you're on a closed road or a track, you take, you take up the offer every time. Every, 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 I said every three times, Every that's four time it has ever happened, the performance has never been beat. In fact, the SR Plus was rarely beaten by cars that are allegedly, allegedly much faster. If you look at motoring magazines and look at naught to 100 times, some of these cars are faster than a Model 3 performance. Not, not, not many. Uh, I'll talk to you about that in a minute. But what the motoring magazines don't tell you is the car has to be at a certain temperature. It uh, has to have 50 buttons, dials, and everything pushed. It then has to go into a special mode and hold up RPM at some obnoxiously loud, you know, number at the light. So everyone's looking at you, including any of uh, SA's finest, uh, which may be cruising past. And then you only get a certain amount of time before it limps the car back down again. And yeah, if you get any of these newfangled 
uh, DSG things and just snot the throttle, just bang it from the lights, they are slow. They can, you know, they don't, they're not up on boost, they don't launch, they just drive away, and at which point, by the time they get going, your Model 3 performance is about 100 metres ahead. How do you launch one of those? Easy, bang, throttle, just off the brake, bang, throttle. It's that easy. And that's what I love about this kind of technology is that it's simplistic. I mean, it does have a racetrack mode. You can stuff around with the balance front to rear of the four-wheel drive system, but guess what? I went out and did some testing on the Draggy and uh, did some 0-100 testing. Again, private road. Thank you very much. I've got some friends that own some big properties, so I can do this. And uh, I mucked around with making it uh, very front-wheel drive and then very rear-wheel drive and then having a lot of traction interference and having no traction interference and the very best time I got in. This is an MY19 Model 3 and they they seem to be a little bit faster. They're a tiny bit lighter with the lack of the heat pump and stuff that the later cars have. Uh, they are the one if you want to go fast in mean, a Model 3 is, is the 19 or 20 model before the heat pump cars, the 21s, came out. And the best I could record was, get this, 3.23 seconds, which is bloody fast. Naught to 100 kilometres an hour, right? It wasn't a perfectly flat surface. It may have been a tiny bit downhill. It wasn't, you know, dead-eye dick runway flat. So I'm not going to claim that, you know, anything great about it. But then I sat there and I mucked around with all of the settings in the car, tried all these different modes, stability on, off, or wound down and wound up and uh, front and rear wheel drive bias. And I couldn't, I couldn't get back in into that time slot. The best I could do was a three, three, four, oh, or three, three, nine. It was singularly, it was, it was still fast and it felt exactly the same to me, but it, it tells a story. Um, and that's the beauty of this whole thing is just leave the car as it comes and anywhere anytime, any place, it's ready to rock and roll. And funnily enough, that was uh, Nissan's slogan for the R35 GDR, like anywhere, anytime, any place, providing you're at this temperature, you've held this button down on that lotto machine in the middle, the jackpot machine in the middle, for three seconds, the VDC light is off, then you hold up the other one on the other side for three seconds to put the transmission into race mode, and then, and only then, are you anywhere, anytime, any place ready to go, but not until you say a short prayer for the transmission before you let the brake pedal go because there will come a day where you are sweeping it up off the floor and people go that's all right i'll just build a tough trans when that happens well <clears throat> uh, uh, yeah if you got 30 40 grand that you want to drop into it and still be left with a clunky mess perfect good for you but uh, times have changed and we don't need that kind of tech anymore come on guys and girls get with it but yeah, there's my little rant on launch control systems. Not a real fan of them. Uh, no manufacturer's got the balls to make one really good, and that is to have it fully user adjustable in like a you know secret mode where you can change clutch feed times or ramps. You can change the amount of ignition retard. You can change you know if you can, if they made that stuff accessible to a driver so you could tune and dial your launch control system and look. It may be in some of the weird, wacko supercars out there. I wouldn't know because I can't afford them and nobody brings them near me. But imagine if you could change it all and set it up. It might 
and it's a very big might, it might almost be half as good as having no launch control at all. So there you go. That was your midweek edition of Range Anxiety. I hope you enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed bringing it to you. It's a little bit more technical and a little bit more rambling than most of them. But hey, that's what we're all about here. So stay tuned for the weekend special.